0: slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode.
1: Ugh, my brain hurts already.
0: Well, I would like to talk about Infinity because that's an easy subject to approach. Let's talk about the characters. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's so excited to get to the Thought Experience and I am too. And we'll talk about the Aleph. But his character work is quite solid and I think something that we can kind of explore with maybe some of the meaning that i took from this story
1: yeah i I mean i don't think that anything is easy to explain from one of these stories but infinite space uh is probably a lot easier to explain than relationships and and uh characters
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so borges well-known argentine writer Writes really interesting thought experiments, v- very strong prose, crisp characters. There's not much to h- dislike about Borges other than he makes your brain hurt.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it's a good brain hurt, though, right? It's not one that I think is so philosophical to, to one side or the other or something that's just like so over the top. Because it is rooted in a story, and I feel like there is development. It just, it, it's there like haunting you, like it's stalking you from behind, going, don't forget about me, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's one thing mm-hmm. that just it, 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 it grows to make your brain hurt in a good way. So I, I, I want to preface that, that, that I, I did enjoy the story. It just, it's a lot to take in in such a small piece.
0: Yeah. So the story opens up with Beatrice Viterbo has passed away. Right, and how interesting is it? Because you're like, okay, lover, loved one gone. Right, we're, we're we're missing her, but but that's not the sense that I got. Right, because later on he goes to her house and we see that she had some wedding photos, even a divorce with this man, and, and him and the family are like at a distance. Like there's estrangement. So we get the idea that they weren't really lovers or anything of that sort, or at least that's the sense that I get. Is that, is that how you felt?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It is. It, why do you care about somebody so much that you would be estranged with? I, I, I don't know.
0: Well, it's worth pointing out that, that Beatrice, in literature, is a very loaded name. <laughs> I mean, going back to Dante's um, Divine Comedy, the, the Inferno and such, and it, it, it's a name that is meant to represent a lot of unrequited love. Because if you didn't know, Dante was literally like his muse and reason for writing the Divine Comedy was a woman and in this fictionalized story of her Beatrice, it was this this way of expressing his love for this woman that didn't love him back in a sense like she was with I think maybe married to someone else much like in the story, I think. But it, there's, there's a lot of parallels because even like the first cousin Daenerys sounds a lot like Dante, even a little yeah. bit. That you, you get the the feeling of this, this love that never was.
1: Oh, that's heartbreaking. <laughs>
0: well, we, we have some quotes in here. It says the universe may change, but I shall not Thought I with melancholy vanity. What does that mean that you never change? And, and do we believe the narrator when he says that? Like, do we think that's true?
1: Oh, for sure. I think that we try to convince ourselves that we change, but deep down, I think that we're always who we are, and that how we will be with other people. We we this relationship may end, but uh, Beatrice is going to look for a replacement, and it's going to try to replicate that same relationship. Right? It's always you're trying to do the same thing over and over and over.
0: Is is who you are? Crypto. At age 40 plus, the same crypto at age 16.
1: In some regards, yes. In many regards, no. <laughs> but So, so not that- the same.
0: That means not the same. But we still call you crypto. You're still the same person. There's an essence to you. Even though there's some things that change, right? There's some things that change, but, but there's still the essence of you. There's what makes you you is still the same in some regards like it's it's this weird naming thing that we do not in english not in a particular language but just as human beings like we call this is mount fuji and mount fuji means this and you go to maybe the other side of the mountains and they might call it something totally different i guess that was a bad example i guess geisha is a better example if we're going to talk about japan (laughs) there's depending on the region that you're in you don't call them geisha when you go to like the south particularly like like i think it's um the old capital like they they wanted to call them something different it's the idea that we're pointing and thinking of similar if not the same things but we're calling them different things there's there's there might even be a different essence to them in a sense
1: i think people are very very complex and we 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 can be the same and and change and be different also at the same time I, I guess uh, an easier analogy to to yours would be, uh, in certain parts of the country you call it soda, and other parts you call it pop. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a bucket versus a pail, right? To to your point. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: We're we're talking about the same thing, but using but different, different words to get there. We, 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 the essence yeah. of what we're thinking of is the same, right?
1: And is it is the essence of a person always the same then, or can that change?
0: Yeah. I think it does. I think it does. I think Ooh. when I look at this narrator, there's a certain amount of hubris, a certain amount of like pompous attitude coming out of him, particularly later on when he starts judging Daenerys like poetry. And and is he right? Is he wrong? Well, I don't know. He didn't get second place in no literature contest, but I'm just saying <laughs> he. He reminds me so much of this character named Charles Kinbote Kimbote from um Pale Fire by Vladimir Nabokov. He, he judges others and we're in his mind and we hear his thoughts and it's almost like he's trying to convince us if not himself of how much smarter and better he is. But it's our job as readers to be like is that true?
1: Well, is that right? I guess it, it, he he succeeds in some ways and fails in others. Uh 'Cause for me, I feel like your core essence doesn't change. It's what you present to others that actually changes. Cause in your mind, you may think one thing, but you'll say something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all, all the time. All the time. So let's 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 go to the story here. He he's going to Beatrice Viterbo's house, who died in nineteen twenty nine, and he goes to her house every April 30th. Right. He gets there later and later and starts to stay longer and longer. And to that to that point about what was his relationship with her, like he he doesn't really know the family, like he doesn't even go inside. And it's not until it rains one year that the family's like, all right, why don't you come inside? And, And that's like after several years, the first year that he spends dinner with them. And he continues to grow closer with them, which makes me assume that he wasn't too close with her to begin with. And it's here where he starts to see her photos, where he starts to see the the picture of her getting divorced, the picture of her turning three quarters to the ca- the, the camera, that it's almost like he's focusing on preserving Beatrice in some regard. Like, like what is the essence of Beatrice to him? And he sees these photos, these representations of her, these different angles of how we view or maybe the different masks she presented to people. And he's almost like obsessed with with trying to encapsulate that somehow, I would say.
1: Oh, yeah, I like that. I guess to go back a little bit, I kind of thought about it is, okay. we finally have kind of change taking place in the story. And this is sort of changing him because he's gaining new information and insight and why did it happen? Because there was an external factor that mm-hmm. influenced mm-hmm. the situation. And that's what kind of sometimes we think as change. It's not us that's changing. It's our circumstances that changed. And for him, sure. it's this storm that allowed him to finally get into the house. And those circumstances allowed him to get closer and and change mm-hmm. his relationships with his family. Oh. oh,
0: OK. Yeah, no, that's a good challenge, too, because a lot of times in the literature, the, the rain and storms represent fate things that are out of our control to your point, circumstances that are pushing us. So, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's a really good way of looking at it too. Um, I preface, I don't know much about the Argentine slash, you know, literati scene (laughs) at the time. Uh, (laughs) I either, I was cracking up at some of the lines in this when he said something like, so witless did these ideas strike me as being so sweeping and pompous the way they were expressed that I associated them immediately with literature. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine there's probably some interpretation of them out there, but for me, how, how I'm taking this, he, he's ripping into, um, denari who's starting to show him his poetry, right? Which poems are in, in, in writing. It can be very personal. It's a, it's a personal expression. And he's ripping into him about how he's using alternate words for white or blue, like the fancy versions of it. And he's making fun of him. And there's this interesting push-pull feeling I have with that because blue versus cerulean, right, they both point to, in essence, the same underlying thing. A lot of times we use different shades of words to better articulate the exact hue and vibrance that they have. But in in it in an essence, there's there's still we're pointing to something that we see that we're just using words to articulate. And, and literature is this weird thing where the way in which we express something can connect with us, can change the way we view it, but it still has the same essence, the same aura underneath it. But the delivery does matter. And, and it's just like this weird relationship that I have with. The words to get there versus the essence of a thing, if that makes sense.
1: Well, that totally makes sense. I also took it to the fact that I feel like it was almost an attack that, I mean, when somebody knows how to express themselves, uh, you know, and again, I think it might blend into a little bit of that kind of machismo, you know, uh, especially, you know, being in, in the, the Latin American life. Uh, I think that he's 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 a little bit on the offensive here of like, oh, he's one of those guys that does poetry. And I think he's trying to, like, you know, attack him as a person as well and, and push him down and, you know, push his own status up. So I think we have a little bit of a, you know, a status rivalry going on here.
0: Who's he convincing? Is he convincing himself or us, the reader?
1: Oh, that's a good bosh. See, there there's where it goes to hurt my brain. Uh I, I think us as the reader. I, I think us as the reader. Doesn't it feel like he's talking to you? It feels like he's talking well, to me. <laughs>
0: well, here's the thing is 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 when he's talking about his poem, he's like, okay, well, the first line's clearly a reference to early writing the the Odyssey, right? There's obvious illusions here, and oh, it is just so tedious for someone like me to have to call these out. Right. And, and I don't, I didn't take that as an, like an expression to himself. Like, why would he need to express that about himself? To me, he's trying to impress someone else about how it's so obvious what this writer's doing. He's more focused on doing things to impress than focusing on the writing itself. Right. Like, I think there's even a line about that. And, and why would he do that if it's not to impress others? Right. Like, sometimes. We do things to try to look smart or try to sound smart. And, and that's kind of what I gathered him doing is he's building up and aggrandizing his own image by being able to see through what other people are trying to do.
1: Yeah, you make a good point. I just have to say, though, what if he's because now I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. What if he's okay. inner monologuing? What what if he is uh. trying to psych himself up? And we're just hearing the inner thoughts. And we're not seeing what the mask is portraying to the rest of of the family.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's mm. interesting. So let's let's keep going here. So the telephone rings one day, right? And normally he's excited for that telephone because the telephone was it sounded to me like a way that he could talk to Beatrice before. But now, oh, it's Daenery and his stupid poem again. <laughs> like the <laughs> The phone, the essence of the phone doesn't change, but it's it's how we use it. It's the avenue where now the avenue does matter, right? And the fact that it's being used to connect to, oh, the stupid poem as opposed to Beatrice really changes the meaning and his expectations of what a phone ringing means.
1: I guess for me, the phone was the avenue for which we communicate with one another. And it doesn't matter how great a technology is us communicating with another is key for how relationships are going to be true or false. And even though you have this telephone, which is a marvel at the time, right? I mean, it had only been out for a few decades. You have the best piece of way to communicate technology in the world that can go across the whole world and you can still lie through it and lie to yourself.
0: That's interesting because that's an externally assigned thing, right? Like phones were what mid 1870s or so and this story is uh taking like well her death was 1929 right so so we we've had it for a while but we assign meaning to it differently is that's it's, it's an interesting thought what were your thoughts on how so he he kind of like you talked about mass this is a really good point that i hadn't thought about what are your thoughts on how he agrees to write like a what was it, like a forward or a review of the book something along those lines when he didn't really like it like like th- there's got to be something there about the mask that we put on
1: yeah i guess those 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 masks are something we just kind of uh we we put over to hide because i think there's a lot other going on in the story right they're they're wanting to tear down his house and he has all of these you know as we said external factors pushing in on him and that's the way that he can kind of shield himself uh, it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. interesting i'd have to think about that more
0: Z- Zunini and Zungri want to rip down his house. So he calls Zuni the lawyer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, always but, getting a bad rap. Doesn't matter what year it is, right?
0: <laughs> so no, no, so to the point of the, what does the house mean? What is the essence of the house? It's interesting how the, the guy views it as like this is his source. This is where his muse is, the Aleph. This is where we're headed. But to our narrator, Borges, who we eventually learn, he finally announces that he's Borges. And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> so it felt like an uppercut when he announced that the, the, the character's name was Borges. Um, to him, it's it's the Beatrice home, right? Like the essence is the same, but it means something totally different to these characters, too.
1: I, I was I was flabbergasted as well that it is it him? Is he putting himself in the story or is the character just named after him? And What? It, what significance does that have?
0: I, I mean, it's got to be like a more fictionalized character. Like he makes his character rather pompous <laughs> the way he judges like literature and stuff like that. Um, But it does add a a, a strange element when you read it. Like it, it gives you that Twilight Zone Borgesian feeling where you're just like, well, I'm, I'm not sure how how to take that. Like, I'm not sure how to think about that. And I think a lot of readers will think about it in different ways. We're all reading the same text, but we're interpreting it differently,
1: right? Yeah. And I guess it gets to the point of what is the purpose of the house? Is that he needs the house in order to write his poem, right? That that he he it's important to him to be able to complete his work.
0: Yeah, I uh, was listening to one of our. I was listening to one of our buddies. Uh, Noah, I'll leave a link to his channel down below. He was talking with his friend Yasmin about this. Great, great people. And they're talking about how when he gets to the house, they offer pseudo-cognac, which, which is brandy, right? Like brandy is like this broad term where cognac is a specific fruit from which it's distilled, comparable to like how whiskey is this broad category. And within whiskey, there's some that are called bourbon if it's a specific you know, recipe made in a specific area same thing with like scotch it's just whiskey made in a specific area with a specific recipe that sort of thing um it's the same thing with pseudo cognac and brandy and it goes to that whole thing of just like calling things different names getting to the same essence there there's just a lot of how do we assign value to things and it all is leading to me to this basement Right, the Aleph, his muse. He doesn't want the house, as you were just saying, ripped down because that's how he's going to complete his poem. That's how he's going to create a legacy, is by being inspired by the Aleph. And how, on earth, does one describe this Aleph? Uh,
1: I, I, I don't know. Uh, Knowing it, the it, the the meaning of life, the 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 one thing. The, the essence it, the it? of it <laughs> the essence of it the the all knowing
0: it's the 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 circle the circle with no circumference or no center it's it's the old it's, it's a square attributed circle. a lot of times Well, it's attributed to what's his name um Voltaire but it wasn't really Voltaire once people started researching it but uh th- there is that talk about that that is a reference in a discussion of god of of omnipotence of knowledge and for for Borges, he he always wrote about infinity, right? Garden of Forking Paths, it was a mind-boggling story about uh, realities, about about time. You had the Library of Babel, which is an infinite representation of permutations of information and knowledge. And here you have the Aleph which is an infinite representation of space. And, and that's always really hard for a human brain to understand because I, uh, I'm i not a, a, a master of this, but I know constantly people are misrepresenting what we know about the Big Bang, right? The idea that the universe, they always say started, but it's just that's what we could measure to. We don't know what happened before the Big Bang. We don't know what was going on. We don't know that that was the actual beginning. But we do know that space expands it has been expanding and is expanding so what does that mean when it was all compressed like that what does it mean if you actually could have an aleph where all space or maybe even a pointer to the essence to the space was condensed into this small little microcosm it kind of reminds me of the two thousand and one Space Odyssey, where like they have like that pillar, and they're like listening to like the whole.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think about like space, and I I stole this from uh, Dr. Tyson, and he he talks about how that if you took the Earth and you shrunk it down to the size of like a cue ball, it would be smoother than an actual cue ball that we made because we just have no idea. The, the the levels and depths of space and that there is infinite space there. There's more space like in between atoms than there is the size of like the universe comparatively just it, our brains can't fathom that. And I think that literature and I think it's kind of meta in this story that he's using a poem literature itself to try to describe something that is incomprehensible, indescribable and it, it it hurts your brain but i think it does a good job of kind of making you think about that hey i'm not supposed to be able to understand something like that because we are so small in comparative to everything everything right. that's just a, 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 a that that concept just blows my mind
0: and it, it always puts in things into perspective too where you take into numbers we say oh that's a universal thing right but
1: Oh, the math. fact that
0: yeah. our math is really core base 10 for most things, which just so happens to coincide with the number of fingers. It's <laughs> it, 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 it's a thing that I think we take for granted. Right. Like, let's say if, if the universe is infinite, there are other planets that could have met the parameters for life there if if there's an infinite number of those there's probably a me out there that looks a lot like me that talks a lot like me right like with infinite tries and time and space that will happen again and that me in one of those situations might be on the edge of the universe the the, of space right like we can only measure what is it 4.65 light years something a million light years something like that we can only see so far and then our technology fails or time fails. I don't know what it is. What happens if that, if that other me is at the edge, right? The fact that they're at the edge, what does that illuminate and allow them to view differently about life that we can't, because we're stuck in the mire of our own reality, like that we can't see beyond what we're able to see that we have, you know these these assumptions about base ten and how that is so baked into so many of our mathematics. Uh, it just it's just mind boggling to think about that and, and to say like can't you comprehend infinity? Uh, I can't. I, I I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. And when they talk about how you know it, it's just a matter of the Big Bang was just this we were all compressed and matter just started to expand from there. I don't get it. I really don't.
1: Yeah, it, it's hard to fathom that, I mean, what you touch is, you know, when you're hitting something, there's space in between the thing that you're hitting. That <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm not great with science uh, and, and then bringing in the philosophy of it and then the practicality of it. It's something that Borges was far and beyond uh, just a mere writer. And I think to be able to put that into a story – and be able to have you know two guys that obviously aren't scientists be able to have a deep conversation about the meaning of life and what does it all mean and how does it all kind of work. And, and then the story to be over 100 years old is just incredible. It really is. And these are the type of stories that I think make us better and make us stronger thinkers. And these are the type of stories that you got to get into your brain.
0: Let me ask one more question here. So it's kind of worth pointing out that Oh my god, the Aleph! Like, like, like that, that's a pretty remarkable thing to see all space contained into one thing. But he puts on this front. Like you were talking earlier about masks, which I, I still think is a rather interesting way to approach the story. He puts on a mask and, and acts unimpressed to his friend, like, yeah. Like you, you know what? You'd be so much better seeking out peace and quiet in the countryside. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like. We can't comprehend infinite. We can't under, like, if, 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 if everybody is, is, if we find out the truth of, of there being, like, if there actually is a God and he's timeless and he's infinite and he's outside of material, our brains can't comprehend that, like, mind blown. And for him to put on this mask of just like, yeah, you, you'd best just go out to the country, I'm so confused by that. You know what I mean? Like, like, what led him to like almost like hate this guy so much that he despised phone calls from him dread and invent these stories about him when like I don't know the guy was pretty nice he shared his stories with him I don't know if he was irritating or what but I didn't get a negative feeling about him for what is ultimately this Borges fictional character to kind of kind of be a jerk and aggrandize himself when his Literature obviously isn't even recognized to the same level as this other guy's. Is this a slam against some other writer that I don't know about? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to think about this.
1: I think it's self deprecating. I think that a lot of times writers do this when they put themselves inside of a story. We've seen Stephen King do that as well. I think Borges is saying that he doesn't have all the answers. He can write this beautiful story, but even he doesn't know the ending. And he has to pretend. And I think that's what a lot of us kind of do when we don't do we, we don't know something. Uh, I, I tell my students this all the time. You gotta fake it until you make it. And I think that uh, when you write such a beautiful story and then he's is like Oh, crap, like, uh, I got this far, but I don't know where to go from here. He just kind of brushes it off like, well, you wouldn't understand. So I'm not even going to try to explain to it. Country boy, just go out there and, you know, do your thing because you're not you're not going to be able to keep up with me, you know, in how smart I am. And I think that's the mask that some of us kind of put on as we just we're just pretending we just fake it until we make it because we really don't have all the answers.
0: OK, last question. What's this fake it to the make it, this mask thing? In the context of how at the end of the story, the Aleph was fake. (laughs) There's another Aleph out there, the real Aleph. (laughs) How how did you take that part? The postscript.
1: Humility. Um, If you think you truly know something, then you really don't. Because somebody else will come along and disprove you.
0: Isn't that true? That, that not that uh, what was it so, going all the way back to Socrates. He talked about uh, being smart is realizing how many things you don't actually know. Like like everyone thought he was like the smartest guy in the room. And he's like, I'm the dumbest. Like there's so much stuff I don't know. And to constantly learn that there's something else, that there's constantly something new. Does that mean knowledge is infinite? And the fact that when he was like riding the train and got no joy It he he said something to the effect of him not being happy or not not receiving joy from something if you truly knew everything and there were no surprises when you think about how so much of our lives are like so much of our lives are focused around surprises surprise birthday parties like people being obsessed (laughs) with pokemon pack openings where they'll sit there and just watch videos hour-long videos of people just opening pokemon packs someone else doing it not even (laughs) you like there, there's this this dopamine hit we get from surprise that if knowledge truly could be infinite and you could contain it and you couldn't be surprised, does that take away joy from us? Like, that's kind of kind of sad to think about.
1: <laughs> and, it, and it's funny that you say that uh, I, I say all the time. All I know is I don't even know. And I'm not even sure of that anymore. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, why do we read stories, right? And you know that I'm the type of reader that uh, I'm that peak and valley guy and the ending can be so important to me, the most important thing. And if the, the the ending doesn't land, if it doesn't stick, that breaks it for me. Now, I think I've gotten better about that over the years and to your help, uh, that, that it, it is more about the journey that you you don't need all the information. You shouldn't want all the information because then that that air of discovery is gone because if you know all... Where, what joy is there of learning new things? I don't want to know everything because I enjoy learning new things. I think that's kind of what the story is, is that if you'd had all the information, if you'd had all space in one place, would you be happy? And uh, I, I don't think that the Borges of the story is.
0: Do you think that's why he was obsessed with freezing Beatrice's memory, her essence in time?
1: Yeah, that could be that that was a point in time where he didn't know something. He didn't know her truly. And that was an enigma to him and allowed him to have some type of joy of not knowing. Yeah, for sure.
0: Good story. Borges never writes a stinker. We're going to leave a link down below for all of our Borges talks because we're enjoying going through his works. What other story of his do you think we should cover next? Let us know in the comments down below. My name is Benuna. Peace out.
1: Peace.